think? About heaven. That's what we're looking at this morning. What do we think about heaven? I'm not sure the guy, uh, the one guy didn't get it right. I mean, if you love golf, then maybe Augusta National, that's, uh, that's the place, right? So, good. Well, before I jump into our topic this morning, I, I just want to commend you. I've been kind of blown away this week. I've been singing your praises to, to people. Um, you know, last week, especially, you know, when our, our celebration of hope, our goal for the offering was $2,600, and we went over about uh, $3,400 last week. And so uh, I just want to say, uh, I just commend you on that. And I think it's worth giving yourself a, a hand, giving God the glory for it. Yeah. That was a pretty weak clap. So <laughs> maybe you got in golf mode. I don't know. Um, there. But uh, I'm really excited about what the Lord did in that. And you know, even a couple people called me saying, hey, I'd still like to give to the Celebration of Hope. And uh, please, you can do that this morning. Just uh, drop in the offering when we do that later. Uh, in the we are in the the uh, service that'd be great. So, but we're looking at heaven, um, and in order to understand heaven, I mean, we have to kind of look at the source, right? We've got to look at what the Bible has to say about heaven, because a lot of us have thoughts about heaven, and we have uh, little philosophies that pop up here and away, maybe little anecdote phrases that are in our head that we we think every once in a while. But the question is, what does the Bible have to say about this? What does the Word of God have to say? That's our source. In fact, we really, as Christians, we don't know anything about heaven outside of what God's word has to say to us. So that's what we're going to walk through this morning. So if you got in here and you got one of our, our sermon notes, uh, you're going to want to take those out with a pen and work through that. If you didn't get one, just go ahead and slip up your hand right now. Uh, this is Richard's favorite part of the service, that he gets to run and hand you one. Uh, go ahead and slip that up. That'd be fine. He'll get you that. Yeah, I found that there's 415 different passages in scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament alone, that talk about Heaven. So really, there's a lot more in the Bible about heaven than maybe we thought, or maybe you thought, was in there. But it's, it's filled. I mean, this book is packed with information about heaven. 183 of those passages are found in the Old Testament, and that leaves 232 for my quick math people that are, are found in, in the New Testament. Lots of passages about heaven. It's interesting, in America today, there was this recent survey by an organization, non-Christian organization, called Religious Tolerance, and they did this survey, and the results, they found out that still today, 93% of Americans believe in heaven. 93%. Most everyone you run into. Of those 93%, though, 54% believe in hell. So heaven is readily believed, not so much hell. But uh, this week, we're just going to talk about heaven. Next week, we'll talk about hell. I know some of you, you're a little bit disappointed that we're not talking about that this week. Some of you might say, what the? That's next week. Okay? Just hang on. That's next week. All right? So we're going to dwell on heaven for a little bit. All right? I want to ask you a question. Have, has there ever been a time in your life where you've been so excited about something that's going to happen in the near future, that it's made your day just to be excited about it. Maybe it's made your week. I mean, maybe it's just a big deal, and you are, you are just pumped, excited, and the thing hasn't even occurred yet. It's coming down the world, or, excuse me, road. I'm thinking about, uh, like, vacation, right? I mean, when vacation comes up, and when you actually write it on the calendar, there's that anticipation, and most of us, we, like, we start to go on vacation before we're on vacation, you know what I mean? Uh, in that, when we're so excited. And if we're enduring something we may not be enjoying very much, maybe there's a project at work or there's some, something you need to get done. Uh, in my house, my wife likes to make sure the house is completely clean before we go away on vacation to come home to a clean house. It would have never dawned on me in my whole life outside of my wife to ever need to come home to a clean house. But... Uh, 
so, but I can get that housework done. Why? Because we're about to go on vacation. <laughs> and we do that thing because when we are looking forward to something, then we can endure a lot of stuff. It makes all the difference when we're looking forward to it. And so that's kind of what we're talking about a bit this morning in heaven, what we can look forward to as believers. Because I think if truth be told, and we were really to talk honestly as believers, we're not really looking forward to that much in heaven. Or we can't quite put our finger on what it is we're looking forward to. Now that may be different from somebody maybe who's enduring a deep, deep hardship on earth, whether it be physical pain or just emotional struggle or just years and years of of hurt, pain, abuse, whatever. But for those of us that are living a relatively uh, good life and a, a blessed life, sometimes it's hard for us to stop and imagine how incredible, much more so than our current life, heaven will be. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, I really believe that the Bible is telling us that heaven is going to just be an absolute blast, that it's going to be incredible. Now, there's not that one verse that says heaven will be a blast. But I think if we collectively look at the verses, 415 of them in the Bible, and we're going through every one of them this morning. No, I'm joking. We won't do that. But we're going to look at several verses that really tell us that heaven is going to be filled with things that are far beyond what we could experience here on earth. The Bible has a ton of wonderful promises, but I don't think there's any promise more incredible than this one found in 1 Corinthians. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It means God is preparing, he is actively developing something for those who love him. And there's many things about heaven that we don't know a whole lot about, right? Or we're not quite sure about when we're asked, maybe by a friend or our kids sometimes, and we're not quite sure what to say. And did you know that some of those questions are answered in God's word, and some of them are hard because it's just beyond our comprehension what heaven is going to be like. But one thing we can be sure of is that heaven is going to fulfill our our deepest longings. It's going to fill any emptiness that we might have faced on earth. That's what heaven is. Will fulfill. It's going to dazzle us with this beauty. It's going to obliterate problems that we face or that anyone faces on earth. That's what heaven promises us, and that's what God word. That's what God's word says. And it said there in First Corinthians, God is busy preparing this place for us. Now, if I think about it, uh, God took you know four six days to to make the earth right, and uh, the earth is pretty incredible. And it says He's actively, continually preparing heaven for us. That's the description here. Unfortunately, though, heaven gets kind of some bad press, right? Uh, Most of what we know, the average person they know from heaven, uh, is through some movies, right? Through things they see on the TV screen or or in the theater. In fact, I I dug up this old clip of a movie that uh, maybe you'll you'll recognize, a silly old movie, but a, a little clip that might show you what we're talking about and some bad press about heaven. Take a look. Sweet and mighty souls shall gain hearts. Did we have a big shot? You got an idea, dear. Hey! Wise kids! Can we ask you a question? Okay. I just wait for you. Yeah. 
silly little concepts like that that we pick up from movies. Of course, in comedies, we can kind of brush it off and say they're trying to be funny, but they're serious movies that develop these type of themes, and we walk away often, and we think that's what heaven is. We think things like, well, uh, heaven's a bunch of people sitting on clouds wearing halos, and uh, a bunch of, you know, little angels are playing harps, and they float around on the heavens, hopping from cloud to cloud, and the music in the background is the, ah, you know, going on all day long, and that's heaven. That's the extent of what it is. Some others see it as this unending church service where we're singing hymns for all eternity. <laughs> you know, you thought there was only 18 verses of just as I am. Uh, it just continues on and on and on. Some people just think it's kind of this celestial retirement city, you know, where we're all sitting on our, our porches, you know, and having buffets at 4.30. Uh, that's, that's not heaven, though. That's not what the Bible says. And so this morning, let's look at a few things. If you have your notes, just follow along. We're going to talk about five things heaven is this morning that the Bible talks about. One is this, heaven will be real is what the Bible says. Heaven's going to be real. Heaven's not just going to be this ethereal existence where we're just floating around like spirits somewhere out in the other world and sometimes we come back and visit people on the earth and, and sometimes not. That's not what heaven is like. It's not how the Bible describes. In fact, why would God take the time to create a new earth as the book of Revelation tells us if it's not going to be anyone there to live on the earth. It doesn't make much sense. I mean, why would we be given new bodies as the Bible tells us about uh, heaven if we're not meant to live in something that resembles some form of tangible, real world? You know, it's my understanding of Scripture that when we were originally created to live on earth, we were, we were made to live on a real earth. Adam and Eve were placed uh, not on a cloud, but they were placed actually on physical earth. Earth. 
and they were meant to live there. And, and heaven really is going to be like Eden restored. You see, we've been living, as the phrase goes, east of Eden since Adam and Eve sinned. Since that time, we've been living this way. It's not the original paradise God intended. It's not what he desired for us to live as. And then heaven, heaven he desires to restore that, a place where he will reign and we will live. It's this new Jerusalem that is talked about in the book of Revelation, not just floating in space, but it says it comes down to earth. Here's what the Bible says, uh, it's this promise concerning earth. It says in Romans, the creation awaits its eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Heaven's going to be a real place with real meaningful work for us to do as well. Heaven really is going to be the fulfillment of when the Lord's Prayer, when it says, uh, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, uh, or excuse me, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what heaven is going to be out, not just floating around, but actively working in, in God's glory there in heaven. Here's what the Bible says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heaven will disappear like with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it be laid bare. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. See, the Bible is telling us that this old earth is going to pass away, and God creates this new earth, and it'll be this home of righteousness. It will be home, the home of his glory, and that's how daily life will be lived out. So it's not just this strange metaphor, but it's this actual, tangible, real world God, the Bible is talking about that we'll experience in heaven. So heaven's going to be real is our first thing. Second thing is that heaven is going to be right. It's going to be a place of righteousness, of, of rightness, you could say. All the wrongs that were done on earth, all the wrongs, they're going to be made right when we're in heaven. Take a listen to what C.S. Lewis and how he writes it. He says this, It will be a place where everything evil is absent and everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone and only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will disappear and everything exciting will appear. Everything depressing will be gone and everything hopeful will come. Everything violent and hateful will be gone and everything born of love will prevail. Every unfaithfulness will be in the past and steadfast loyalty will be present. Everything detestable will be gone and everything desirable will abide with us. Every sickness will be gone and complete wholeness will take over our lives. Every struggle, frustration, and failure will be over and only success will be possible. That sounds like a place we would want to live and we'd want to be at. What does the Word of God say in Revelation 21? It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's the heaven that we have to look forward to. When we just think of there, of no death or mourning or crying or pain, think about how much we experience things like that from month to month in our life. And he says that's going to be wiped away. It won't be there anymore. But he also says there, every wrong done to you in this world is going to be made right. Every injustice is going to be met with justice. And this sorrow is going to be reversed. And this joy, it's going to wash over us, kind of like a waterfall if you were standing under one. 
this type of joy. Isaiah, the prophet, he writes this, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. We don't even have to endure the past in our minds is what the word of God is saying. Everything will be fresh and new and real. He goes on to say this, Isaiah They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. What he's saying is the corrupt, fallen part of this world will be gone in heaven. It won't be there anymore. There will be no, as he calls it, no toiling in vain. And God's going to restore this way, this world, to, to the way he designed it, the way he meant for us to live, unspoiled by human sin. Everything false then disappears. And it's only truth that will remain. Check out this verse from the last book of the Bible, from Revelation. Nothing impure will ever enter it, heaven, or will in, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now I want you to hold on to that verse for, till the end of our, our message this morning. The, the part about only the names of those written in the Lamb's book of life. That's a significant passage there as it tells us really in one verse who is going to be in heaven. Who goes there? Who gets this that we're talking about this morning? Thirdly, uh, the thing we're going to talk about the truth is heaven will be relational. In 1991, uh, Eric Clapton lost his five-year-old son, you may know this story, Connor, who fell out of uh, their apartment window and uh, tragedy. When Clapton poured out his grief in this song, and he wrote it, and maybe you know this song, and now you have the background story, the, the song is Tears in Heaven, and in the song he asks this question, would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven. You see, a lot of people have the same question that they'd like an answer to. They'd like to know, is heaven going to be relational? Will I know people? Will I interact with people? I had a professor in seminary who, he used to say things like, uh, you know, I don't have the answer to that question, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to reserve time with Peter for about a thousand years and ask him that type of thing. He was talking about the relational aspect of being able to sit and chat and interact in heaven. The truth is, the Bible gives us every indication that for those who know Christ and who are in heaven, that heaven will be relational, and that interactions with people, both that we've known and people that will be new to us, will be there. And the relationships won't be like the relationships on earth. They'll be these deep, rewarding, and incredible relationships. You see, on earth, sometimes our, our relationships are, are filled with with difficulty, and, and sometimes our relationships are dealt with sin. Sometimes we hurt people and we don't even know we've done it. Many times, without even knowing it, we just hurt. Here's what the Bible says We will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. You see, we're going to be changed in our spirit. The, the Apostle Paul writes it this way, Dear friends, now we're children of God, and what we will be has not yet been known. But we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for, he, for we shall see him as he is. You see, the Bible's talking about this transformation that happens when we go from the life we know on earth to the life we'll know in heaven. In fact, we'll have, be able to carry that into our relationships and how we interact and how we care for people on this 
intimate, deep relational level on a level that we haven't even experienced here on earth. Also, our relationship with God is going to be healed and restored. You know, there's people that they spend many, many years of their lives searching to be right with God, to find a way to have right relationship with God. The Bible tells us that that relationship with God will be healed and restored when we're in heaven. You see, we can be believers, we can be people that have surrendered our lives and are living for Him, and yet, to some degree, there's still this disconnect with what God has called us to be about and called us to do. And there's times in our lives where we stumble and we fall, and there's even some times where some some willfulness falls in there as well, but it's all restored in heaven. And that we find out that God has this this uncompromised, this, this unselfish love for us, and that we get to endure that for eternity. We get to be a part of that. Nothing comes between us and God in heaven. There's no separation. On earth, our sin is a separation. But in heaven, there's no separation whatsoever. In fact, the whole reason that that Jesus Christ came to earth is that we might be able to experience here on earth what it's going to be like one day in heaven, that we can have relationship with God through Jesus being our advocate, the one who washes away, covers our sin, argues on our behalf, and we can have that connection with God. But you know, when we go to heaven... When we're in heaven, we'll no longer need an advocate. Jesus will be our our brother there, somebody who we interact with, somebody we hang out, and of of course Jesus still being God in the Trinity. But we'll be able to interact because, you know what, our sin no longer separates us. It's no longer there in front of us. That's good news to us, to have that type of interaction. Do you know what interaction, face-to-face with God on earth, the Bible actually describes it, it brings death on earth that we find that in, in God's word, that when we look upon God's face and his holiness and his perfectness, that in our human form, we, we can't handle it. But we also find that the work of Jesus Christ allows us to have that type of interaction with God. But in heaven, in heaven, sin doesn't spoil. And that we'll be able to even look upon God's face. That's something that's, that's incredible that will be there for us in heaven. Fourth, thing that is important to us to understand about heaven is that heaven is going to be a reward. It's going to be a rewarding place. You see, in the book of Revelation, John does the best he can to describe what he's seeing in this vision when he's standing in heaven. And he's describing this with whatever earthly words he knows how to describe. And when he talks about things like this translucent gold built on foundations with precious jewels, he says, gates made of single pearl and streets of gold. And we find that the richness of heaven here, and they use gold as this paving material. I mean, jewels are used just as foundational building things in heaven. And we think about that, what kind of incredible place would that be that it's so rich and real and that the things of greatest value on earth are commonplace in heaven? That's what the Word of God is saying. That's why John is trying to describe to us how beautiful heaven is. And he's using every comparison he has. You see, it's part of our our reward when we get to heaven. Let's say on earth you've worked so very hard on earth. You've been faithful to God. You know, you've done your best work and you've kept your life free from, you know, from major sin. And yet you look and you go, man, things just aren't going well. My health is not good or my finances are bad. My, my kids have not turned out the way I hope they would turn out. And maybe you have some relationships that are just a, li- a bit unfulfilling. And, and you're asking yourself, like the psalmist might think, you're saying, surely in vain. 
I have kept my heart pure. In vain, I have washed my hands of innocence. It just doesn't seem to add up. It seems unfair. Where is the justice, we say sometimes? Well, justice is not far off, is what the Bible is saying. But it may not happen here. It may be that your justice is happening in another place. Because throughout God's word, the Bible tells us that heaven is our reward. It's there for us. That this earth, what we have to endure, what we have to go through, how we have to live, it's only meant for a short time in comparison to eternity. But in eternity, there is that reward. Justice doesn't always happen here on earth. This is in heaven, and we can't expect justice to always come. Now, we'll work towards it as the church, and we'll be committed to working to that end on God's behalf here on earth. But in heaven, accounts are settled, and our reward is made known in this other place and in this other time. It's, I guess we use the phrase sometimes, delayed gratification, Right? And sometimes that's what heaven is going to be. But the gratification will be there. This reward is waiting for us in heaven. Every time we endure something here, every time we struggle through something, every time we, we deal with, as the Bible tells us, persecution even for our faith, the Bible reminds us that there is a reward waiting for us in heaven one day. C.S. Lewis even says it this way, Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends but will not encourage us to mistake them for a home. Do you remember the old song that, that maybe you used to sing this, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through? We used to sing that just a passing through and try to sing it like in this Italian way um, as kids, and we had these hand motions that were like pizza delivery guys in this song. But the truth of the, the song is real. It's what the Bible says. This world is not our home. We're, we're passing through. The reward still awaits for us. Look, believers, don't ever forget the reward that's waiting for you. Not many decades past, the main emphasis of countryside revivals was going to heaven. And if you went there, mostly what you heard was about going to heaven. And if you were to die tonight, what would it look like for you? That was the message. Somewhere in the last 15 years, the church and the contemporary church especially has kind of pushed away from that message and said, look, it's not all about heaven. It's about what God brings to our life now and how we can live every day living for him. That's absolutely true. But don't dare let the pendulum swing to the point where you forget the reward we have waiting for us in heaven. It's so significant. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, don't ever forget that that reward's not waiting for you currently. And that that message that was preached so strong 30, 40 years ago through those camp meeting revivals is just as true and real to us today. And we need to remember the reward we have. Jesus said this, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. You see, your reward is coming. My reward is coming. Every sacrifice you've made here on earth will be remembered. Every sacrifice you made for God's glory will be remembered. It won't be forgotten by the Lord. Every sorrow you experience, it's going to be dispelled in heaven with, with countless joys when we're there. And every rejection will really be overcome by the love that we'll experience in heaven. The reward is waiting for us. Every mistake brought out, every good thing you've done that hasn't been honored, it will be honored and it'll be rewarded one day in glory. That's what the Bible tells us. Finally, we need to remember that heaven is going to be the residence of God. 
It's where God dwells. And whether, where it's true that God's presence is everywhere, we, we find that in the God, even this, uh, this little passage in the Bible that would lead us to know that God's presence can even extend into hell. God's presence is everywhere, but God's home, his residency is heaven. And that when we go to heaven, our greatest reward in heaven will be God himself. You see, it doesn't really matter how many Christian t-shirts we have or how many songs we sing or anything like that. What matters is being in God's presence. That's the ultimate reward that we could have to be in his presence. You know, sometimes you see when, when people get really excited about going to a ball game or going to a concert or going to a political rally, and they'll post something in, in either email, Facebook, whatever, I, how close they got to the celebrity, how close they got to the ball. I got to shake the nominee's hand, you know, those type of things that we get so excited about. And if, we, if we're fortunate, sometimes we get to snap a picture next to that person, and we have that picture to say, you know, there I was, you know, standing right next to to so-and-so, but you know, it's irrelevant to think that we can be in the presence of God. That is our greatest reward in heaven, that we get to be in God's presence. First Corinthians, Paul writes it this way. He says, now we see but a poor reflection in, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I mean, how wonderful it's going to be for us one day to look and to be in God's presence where we can be perfectly known by him and we can perfectly know him as well. That's what the Bible's saying to us. Revelation writes it this way, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of, of God is it with men and he will live with them. Then will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's what the Bible is telling us about heaven and the reward of being with God. When we think about these things and all that the Bible says about heaven, we can think it like the writer, like Peter says in 1 Peter. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for us. Those who, those faith are shielded by God's power till the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, the hope that we have in heaven comes through our connection and our life with Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us if we know Jesus, if we follow Jesus, if we invest our life in this, that this reward of heaven awaits us. That the realness of heaven, the relationships we'll experience in heaven, all of it awaits us, being in the presence of God. This morning, uh, you need to know, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that this doesn't await you. It's not there for you. And we're about as far from a hellfire and brimstone church as it gets in the way we share the message of God. But you need to know the truth this morning as it relates to heaven that heaven can await you as well. The reward is there for you. The incredible thing about scripture is the Bible says that that heaven, the Bible says it's here available for you now. The moment you receive Jesus into your heart, the moment you say, I'm ready to become a follower and live for Jesus, I'm live for God, live his ways, you get to experience it right away. And on earth you get to experience and have the, the benefit of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
But then one day, the Bible promises 415 passages, there's the day that you will go and be in eternity, in eternal glory with God, in the presence of God, in the, in the heaven that we've described this morning. And remember, we've pulled out five things we've talked about in heaven. You can read the 415 verses on your own and see the fullness of what heaven will be in our life. So this morning as we finish off, I just think it's so appropriate and, and needed that we give the opportunity for those who, this morning, you, you don't know. And if we put it in the old terms of the old camp meetings, you'd say, if today was the last, if it was it, if life was over today, what would it look like? What would your eternity look like today? It's in, it's in question, the most important question any of us have ever asked. And many of you, you've sealed the deal on it. You've answered the question. But some of you, you, you've pushed off that question, like the, like the hard question on a quiz that you pushed to the end. This is a good morning to answer the question. It's a good morning to deal with it. It's a good morning to walk out right now and say, I know I'm assured of the reward of heaven this morning. I'm assured of that, and I'm given God's glory to live out my daily life. I don't have to live it on my own. I want to pray for you, and in that prayer time, I want to just give you an opportunity opportunity to say yes. I also this morning want to want to lead your eyes to this card that's very helpful for us. There's one box on here. It says, today I've decided, and underneath it, the first one says, to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. If this morning you say, that, that's it, that's what I need to do. I've known about it, I just can't push it off, or this is the first time I've heard about it, but this is what I need. You need to just check that box and write your name and drop in the offering and I want to be able to pray for you and help you on that journey as you start it this morning. But you can use that card to communicate with us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, this morning, I thank you so much that there's a reward that, that stands in front of me as a believer. And Lord, I know that there's times in my life when I, I look out and I, I just feel like, man, God, isn't there something more? But Lord, you promise, endure. Go on live in my spirit and the day is coming a day of reckoning a day when you will stand in my presence and you will stand in my presence free and clear and you'll stand in it for eternity this morning I know that there in a group this size there has to be some that you've never made that choice or maybe in this a group this size there's some that you thought well I'm a believer because I'm an American or or because my parents were believers or because I'm trying to live a good life. And this morning you've heard something different. That it's only through just surrendering ourselves before God and saying, I want to live my life for you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I believe in you. That's the way. If this morning you've been searching and searching and you haven't found, guess what? The Bible says Jesus came to earth just for you to find you if this morning that's you you can quietly in your head just repeat this prayer after me Lord I realize I've lived my life apart from you I've gone my own way and lived for myself Lord forgive me of my wrongs Lord come into my heart be the Lord of my life I surrender myself to you and I want to be with you one day in glory. If you prayed that prayer right now, that, that's it. 
a heartfelt prayer. And in an instant, you are one of his children. And we celebrate on your behalf. Now, for those of you who know the Lord, but you've been, you've been living forgetting the reward and the great glory, forgetting that, that all that we live on earth, it's just, just the good times. It's a foretaste of eternity, of glory, of the every moment will endure. Let it sink into your hearts and into your head. Let it renew your faith and renew your commitment to him this morning that he is a God who is faithful. Lord, would you invest that on us this week, every day of our life, every day, every moment, Lord, would we realize how significant our connection with you is here on earth and how incredible it will be for eternity and glory. We give it all to you in your son's name, we pray. Amen. Again, this morning, if, if the Lord spoke to you in a certain way, especially if it was the time for you to say yes and come to know the Lord. Mark that on that card and let us know. Maybe there's something else, though. Maybe it's even unrelated to the topic this morning that you're just saying, I just need prayer. I'm hurting in this area. Don't know what to do. Write that on the card, and we'll, we'll pray for you this week and connect with you if we need to this week. And that, would be, that would be great. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to do our, our all-church meeting when we're done here. Give us about 10 minutes to kind of transition into it, and then we'll go right at about a 20-minute meeting. We encourage you to stay, whether you're a voting member or not. That's okay. Just stay and, and hear what the Lord is doing. Uh, but for now, we're going to take our tithes and offering uh, this morning, and we encourage you to stay faithful in that area. Again, if you have a Celebration of Hope offering that you uh, were wanting to bring in, just mark COH on the card so that we know uh, what you're talking about and we know how that goes. So, all right. Well, why don't you stand with us and the praise team will lead us out in one more.